Recently, I had the opportunity to collaborate with the Red Scare. Due to COVID-19, we were unable to have them play live in the studio, but the band sent in three recordings they made in their basement for me to share with you all, including their soon-to-be-released single, Marmalade. I also had the opportunity to interview them about their musical inspirations and DIY recording. Due to an unfortunate computer glitch, we lost the original audio from the interview, but we were able to salvage the camera audio from the studio the Red Scare was in, and I was able to re-record my side of the conversation. To start this COVID DIY version of an in-studio off, here is Good Sport by the Red Scare.
So let's start with some intros so listeners can associate voices with names and also just say what you play in the band. Hello, my name is Quinn Miller and I play the bass. My name is Walker Urban. I play drums and other things. Yeah, I'm Larson Ross and I play guitar and sometimes sing. I'm Johnny Westerberg and I play guitar. Awesome. I feel like lots of musicians are inspired by a variety of genres. What are some of your musical inspirations in both your genre and genres people may not associate with your music immediately? Inspirations has always been King Cruel. Uh, discovered him at a young age and really that kind of personality he has and kind of music he makes really inspired me to make more music. Um, something more similar to our genre of music would be The Garden. Um, those twins are crazy. You know, they really send me some kind of different inspiration. Yeah, I guess along with the whole King Cruel thing is, I guess we have more jazz influence probably than people would think, or I mean, with my drumming anyways, I guess some of the chords we pick are more like associated with jazz. But yeah, I mean, a lot of post-punk and kind of shoegaze for this one as well, because the writing of this one was kind of spread amongst a couple of years, I'd say. Marmalade? Uh, well, we wrote that one a couple of years ago, but it's kind of changed over time. But I think the inspiration for that was more kind of like pavement, like uh, kind of 90s rock stuff, like country. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think my personal musical influences that I think sometimes come up in the project, not as much in Marmalade specifically, is uh, like Sonic Youth is a big one for me. Pavement is a huge one for me. And uh, I've been really getting into like kind of more atmospheric and noise music um, like over the past year or so that I think come out in songs like Ravenize, but not necessarily in Marmalade. But I think we're trying to bring in more of those influences uh, going forward. Yeah, like, I've always been just, like, I, I don't know, I always listen to just, like, straight away, like, punk music and all that, but, like, recently, I don't know, I've been getting into more, like, jazz and stuff, like Walker talks about, and I, I like more, like, experimental, like, technical, like, rock, like, I don't know, like, like Hella and, like, Dylan Driscate playing and stuff like that, so I just wish I could play like that, so, I don't know, it's just, like, crazy to me. If you could play a different instrument than you do, and it can be something completely different that you have no idea how to even start learning, what would you play and why? I would become a dog on the flute and just serenade every single human being on this planet. Mm. I feel like a saxophone would be a good one because I've never been able to play reeded. That was one of my, like back when I was a kid, that was my first pick and I couldn't do it. I had to switch to trumpet and then... I became a trumpet person. My life has been just downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> Never the same. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. We love cool. I think we'd be a better project. But I'm also, <laughs> I'm not sure that we'd exist either. A lot yeah. of trumpeting for some of the drums. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Johnny, what about you? Um, Probably drums, if I had to pick one. Drums are like, just be really good at piano. Like, mm-hmm. kind of basic, but I don't know. I'm always just so jealous of like seeing someone who can play the drums like like Walker can, I guess. But yeah. like, I don't know, it's just the apple of my eye. I'm just so bad, like whenever I try to play, I just really wish I could. I just, I've heard you play. You can, yeah. you can get good groove. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> I think if I had to pick a different instrument, I would probably uh, pick the harp. Um, I've been 
Yeah, the harp is really interesting. And I was listening to um, the Nervous Cop album. That's like a collaboration between like Joanna Newsom, Greg Sunier of Deerhoof, and Zach Hill of uh, Hella, Death Grips, and everything. Um, and that, I don't know, it was like really interesting to hear. Like sometimes there's a lot of harp, sometimes that's more drum focused, but like Joanna Newsom uses the harp in ways that like, uh, I never would have imagined it could be used. So I would probably try to pick that. Awesome. So I feel like you guys have a very diverse range from serious to humorous and slower to ready to start a mosh pit songs. What is your songwriting process like? And in what ways does it change depending on what type of song you're writing? Um, I don't think there's any specific process for a specific style of song, at least from my standpoint. Um, I think we take a really collaborative approach to it, and we all work together to try and find something that sounds the best. Um, there's never really like a super step-by-step plan that we follow or anything. It's pretty uh, organic, I'd say. Yeah, I think uh, as far as the writing process, most of them start out instrumentally and it'll be like Larson or Johnny or me will bring like a guitar riff in and then we'll try a bunch of different things on top of it and see what we kind of respond to and then yeah as far as the vocal process goes it's pretty late like in everything so it's really just Larson or Quinn whoever singing like trying to connect some type of like lyrical content out however the song is I'm guessing. Yeah, I feel like you guys tell a lot of stories with your lyrics as well. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of times if I'm writing lyrics for something, I'll just try and think of something just out of the blue, something that most people wouldn't expect to work with something and try and make it work. Yeah, I think um, like on my end, when I'm um, bringing in like songs that I uh, am trying to get us to write, I usually uh, work like alone, creating like a riff or like, a verse structure that I like um, will like come together and play on it for um, probably a couple months, I think, for every single song, like changing it, figuring out like how we can play it together. So it's not so much like one person's project and like bringing it into a space that's very different from how it was originally like kind of penned. And in so doing, like, I think we make stuff that's like a lot more interesting than uh, at least I could write on my own. So, What was the recording process like for your new song, Marmalade? Well, we used to live at the laundry room. It was a local music venue, but since we've moved out, um, and in the basement down there is where, like, in, essentially the entire recording process happened for this upcoming album, Marmalade included. Uh, I guess Walker can speak more onto the technical process behind it. Yeah, well, um... I think we made the decision a while ago that we wanted to record as much as possible on our own just to kind of learn the ropes and not be rushed to put something out or be on studio time. So back like around New Year's, we just bought a bunch of gear and started recording that type of stuff. So, I mean, we've been kind of in the process of like gathering recordings of it for about like eight months, like since January about. and. Yeah, we would just record them in the basement and then kind of gradually layer on tracks and mix them and kind of pass them back and forth and see what changes we want to make or, yeah, it's kind of a more drawn out process than writing it is almost like it's kind of writing as you're recording it. 
Yeah, a lot can change when you're like doing it in the way that we're doing it because we're not like trying to hammer out the song that we have pre-written like you know as quickly as possible in the studio. Like in a track by track fashion, we're able to kind of take our time with everything that we've done, which is nice. Um, the pandemic actually, um, in some ways, was really difficult to deal with in terms of recording because like we had to put in place like different processes for like socially distancing within like the basement area like trying to figure out like how we can you know safely record in the first place but that did give us like a lot of time to really marinate on like different aspects of the song like change things around do like a little bit more writing than we otherwise would yeah definitely let's get back to the music here's chris Pontius pilot by the red scare stay with me a little scare right here on kcsu so you guys are known for your diy recording with covid right now many other bands are turning to this style how did you get the hang of this and what tips do you have for other musicians walker's the uh, the resident <laughs> master um yeah, yeah well yeah i would definitely encourage people to do it just because i mean the amount of money you spend for the amount of quality you get compared to other like professional studios it just costs thousands of dollars like it's definitely comparable quality if you know what you're doing. So, I mean, I guess the best advice I could give is just to like get in some recording software and start like making stuff and just messing around and turning dials and seeing what happens and like learning your way around that. And then also there's so many resources online where if you have like a specific technical question, you can just go there. But in terms of just kind of learning the recording process as like a, creative extension i think is pretty helpful anyways especially when it's diy and kind of more drawn out 
Do you think going through the recording process together makes you guys more tight-knit as a band? Yeah, definitely. I think that, like, just, like, working through that together as a group really solidifies your sound as a band and helps you work through the song specifically because you're doing it on your own time. You're not really worried about the price necessarily because a lot of places charge by the hour or by the song. So you're doing it on your own time, your own dollar. So you can spend a lot more time diving into what you really want to dive into and work it out. Yeah. And I think from, from just like a technical side of it all, understanding how, how the music is kind of, kind of like map itself into a recording and like, understanding how to capture like a certain type of energy i think it's easy to learn when you're doing it yourself because you can just kind of inch by inch do it and tweak things and figure it out yeah what were some of the biggest problems you've run into with recording um i mean there's a lot of just technical stuff later on of like why does this not sound good <laughs> and not knowing yeah. why just researching it but i think it was mainly the challenge was kind of like capturing the sound of that concrete basement down there because I mean that's where all the songs were written and performed in a lot of times and like what they ended up being recorded in so I thought it was important to kind of have that characteristic space of it so it would have kind of more reverb or not be overly produced kind of have it sound more live and raw than it would but still be kind of high hi-fi yeah, I think um, in terms of like recording and issues that we had, I think that something we kind of struggled with was trying to figure out, uh, you know, like as Walker mentioned, how to capture the kind of sound that we were going for, you know, with this equipment we weren't super familiar with, with music software that we were all kind of learning. And Walker did like a lot of the heavy lifting on that, but figuring out like how to go about um, like kind of creating the sonic atmosphere that you would want to hear live like when you're doing like either one instrument or at a time or a couple instruments at a time figuring out how to build that kind of energy sonically when there's no visual element was something that i had never considered before in like the recording process of so figuring that out was a struggle but i think we got there which i'm really proud of yeah it was also kind of just like an adjustment like like going from just playing live and jamming to like um, just having to do all these like parts over and over and stuff. I mean, I had to do mine, all my takes a bunch of times and stuff. So I mean, that's just kind of how recording goes, but it's just, uh, that's kind of a slight adjustment too. But I think we've got some. As we all know, shows, specifically house shows, have been put on pause due to the pandemic. What do you hope is the future of DIY venues and live music in general post-COVID? Um, I hope people are just careful with it, um, taking their time to get back into things. Um, you know, there's always that one individual who will rush into something and delay it for the rest of the individuals. So um, I'm just hoping that everyone stays careful and stays safe, and that at some point in the future we can resume back to normal. Um, if that doesn't happen, you know, there's always ways to adapt and overcome. So we'll evolve and work through it. Yeah, I also think that... Uh... Yeah, hopefully, as far as like independent venues go, or like venues are slightly bigger than house venues or DIY venues, like that they get the help that they need to stay wide to kind of stay in business. Because, like Quinn said, hopefully, the priority is safety and not just starting business back up as soon as possible, whether it's safe or not. So, yeah, I hope they get some type of assistance and also 
just that people still have interest in doing DIY shows and house shows after it all blows over and just to arrange them and do it yourself. Um, I also hope that larger venues start to accept the local bands a lot more. Um, and you got to realize the power of a DIY venue, but also, I mean, you can bring that same energy to a full packed house and still like be just as good as any other touring band. So I think the local musicians are often underestimated and that's not really how it should be. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that like we're at a real crisis point when it comes to live music just because of, you know, the, the risks to people's health at the moment, but also on the like other side of it, the lack of economic aid that musicians and music venues have gotten both from states and the federal government, you know, like we could be seeing a situation where like DIY communities entirely collapse along with like a huge amount of like smaller venues, mid-sized venues around the country. And you could be seeing like a consolidation of like companies like Live Nation gobbling up like the last uh, independent venues that exist as they kind of shut down due to lack of revenue. And while like that is a real crisis, it can also potentially be an opportunity for like artists and community members to really reimagine how they want to see music, like community-made music and local music going forward. Like, how do you envision like a different kind of DIY music scene? How do you envision like what the purpose of music in a community is? Like, what are the possibilities for uh, changing how venues are run, you know, so that they're uh, more fair to both like artists and staff at you know, like smaller venues and bars and all that kind of stuff. Like, how do you equally distribute income within those spaces? How do you, like, as Walker and Quinn were mentioning, like, bring more local music into those spaces, resist, like, Live Nation and those, like, larger kind of entities? And also, it's a, a real opportunity for musicians to redefine the industry as a whole. Like, how do you take on Spotify and make sure that they actually pay artists, like, a living wage, right? <laughs> rather than a fraction of a cent for every stream. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for talking to us. To end the show today, here is Marmalade by The Red Scare, soon to be released on September 9th. I'm Maddie Erskine, local music director, and thank you for listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Mm-hmm.